Welcome to Basketball on Figaro, the only podcast breaking down everything happening with the Lakers, Clippers, and Sparks. I'm your host, Edwin Garcia, and joining me today is my co-host, Darian Vaziri, a.k.a. Dime Dropper. Now, Dime, I had a whole different intro set up for you. And as you know, Woj is going to Woj. We got the Woj Bomb of Woj Bombs. This is why we do a podcast on the Lakers Clippers, because only us can break this kind of thing down at 1.30 in the morning on a Tuesday. Harden is an L.A. Clipper. How are you doing? Pretty awful, man. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I am devastated, heartbroken. I, I'm not even trolling either. Like I'm de- genuinely heartbroken. Uh, and uh, James Harden's a Hall of Famer. But, you know, growing up in Los Angeles, when the Lakers are the – we want to be like as much as Clipper fans despise the Lakers, the Lakers have won championships. So we're aspiring to be something like that, have teams like the Lakers have had in the past. And the example that I had was Kobe. He said a certain way of doing things. And then I have my uncles who were like, you know, came into uh, raising the 80s and 90s playing basketball. So just a different mentality. And there are certain things that I just feel are unacceptable as a star competitively in any leadership kind of form on the basketball court. And I think James Harden, as great as he was at his peak, I think that he has nobody but himself to blame, as well as bad luck for not winning chips. But you remember when Kobe said that his style with D'Antoni was not going to win winner championship. I agreed then. I agree now. The thing is, I think Harden as a third option in Brooklyn looked pretty good. I think Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George is actually a decent combination. The thing is, though, is the Westbrook factor. We have gotten a good Westbrook. That was the reason why I didn't want this move. This has kind of become a Westbrook-led team. He's our vocal leader. He's our floor general. And I like the distribution so far this season. Everybody's getting into it. The ball is not sticking. James Harden just does things that I don't, like, you know, as somebody who coaches at a middle school level and and played like growing up like there's just certain things i don't like playing with the dude that's always pounding the rock like no matter how good you are james harden he's not lebron james he's not kobe he's not even to me Dwayne wade he's not a guy that as great of a ball handler as he is like dude like what you have done as great as it's been has not uh resulted in winning a championship now granted he's the third option again just like he was in brooklyn as i said my question is the rust thing we've made this whole we want to play faster this year, and we have played faster this year. And I think Harden, he could be a good trigger man on the fast break, but I don't think he really wants to push the ball that much, get up and down like that. He hasn't played in a fast-paced offense for a while, and we just lost our power forwards, basically all of them, Nico Batum and Robert Covington, who have gotten off to a really great start defensively this season. If you watch the game against the Spurs, Rocco did an amazing job on Wemby, and Nico's been great defensively this season. So – I'm devastated at the simple fact that I also like, let's be honest, there is emotion when we're talking fandom here. And there's just some players that you, everybody just has that player that they don't like watching play. For me, it's James Harden. And now he's on my team. We have a super team. Edwin, this is the first Clippers super team of all time. Oh my God. What a bomb. A soup. The Clippers are a super team. I gotta, I gotta find a way to make that an angle there. The Clippers are a super team. But are they not? 
<laughs> I would say what's the super part? Uh, what's your definition good. To me, uh, I don't have a definition, but I say um, like art. I know it when I see it. I would say that uh, Super Team is a team that is uh, ridiculously stacked with an overwhelming amount of top talent that almost seems unfair to the opposition. And I wouldn't quite call the Clippers that because I think there's a certain time when that would be true with these players, but this is not that time. I would say Kawhi is still extremely lethal. Paul George is extremely lethal. Russell Westbrook is definitely in a much more limited role. And I think even James Harden is as well. So I think if you took those guys all in their prime, yeah, for sure, that's super team. I think at this point, they're a, a team that's that can be really good with, with, with a couple of all-stars and a couple borderline all-stars. So it, it would have to be everyone. To be a super team, to me, this team – they would have you have to get the best version of all four at the same time consistently, and I just don't think we'll get to that level. Uh, but as you know, I was hoping for the 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 Harden thing. I, I think the reason I'm hoping for the Harden thing, obviously, you know, Lakers here, logo here, and 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 Harden coming in gets a chance of implosion, and that excites me and makes it interesting and fun. Obviously, for you, opposite, that's not what you want, right? But I will say this to kind of you know play devil's advocate is. I think the reason why I thought this move was always going to happen, besides the fact that I've heard rumblings that it was just a matter of how they were going to figure it out, um, is because I think the Clippers organization uh, knows what what I think we knew, which was this was a contending team, but not a winning team, not a favor-to-win team. And although Harden doesn't necessarily put them in front of the Nuggets or even put them in front of those players, it, in my opinion, it gives them the puncher's chance of, but what if it works? What if somehow it works? If somehow it works and you get the best version of everybody, it does give you that chance to, to maybe go up. Now, it also, as you know, what I just mentioned, the opposite is also true. Now, you won't have a team that's guaranteed 40 to 50 wins if everyone stays healthy. Now, you're, 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 you have that. You, you added this X factor that can completely implode this team and make them a 37-win team, kind of like the Lakers had with Russ, where just everything goes bad, everything goes wrong. He's twerking for fouls. He's missing half the games. You know, Russ is mad about this. You know, that can definitely happen. There are two, two scenarios here, I think. I, I think the, the middle one, the one that we thought was the most logical, I think that's out the window. I think this team either is sub-500 or contending for a title this year. I don't think there's going to be an in-between. So for me, that's exciting because then the, the sub 500 is possible. And obviously for you, in the best case scenario, besides the fact that you don't like rooting for Harden, again, you don't like rooting for Harden, guess what? If, if he starts dropping 37 a night, you'll, you'll warm up to him. You'll be in, you'll be in the stands cheering him on, and he'll be, he'll be getting wins. You're like, hey, you know, not, not, not how I would have wanted things to happen, but, but it happens. You know, I had to root for Patrick Beverly once. You, you'll get over it. It'll be fine if it works. If it doesn't work then you'll just have more hatred for a person you already kind of had that uh, affinity for or lack of. <laughs> I don't want to make it seem like it's personal or hard, and I don't know the guy. He might be a good guy, but I just, as a basketball player, I can't stand him. I'm using hatred lightly. Of course, we don't hate these players. They're human beings. But we hate them in the context of, I don't want to root for you, right? There's certain players I wouldn't want to root for myself, right? Uh, but if I do, hey, you, you know, it's happened. It'll happen again, right? Um so, yeah, that's the whole thing that's happened. It, it just happened just a couple hours ago. I, I know you were spinning about it because it's not what you wanted. And I told you, I'm like, it, it's going to happen. It's it's just going to happen because I, I think the, the Clippers saw that. So what do you think about that logic that 
this wasn't a championship team, and this gives them a chance, but it also gives them a chance for implosion. Do you agree with that? Or do you think even the best-case scenario, there's there's really not a realistic chance for this team to get it done? Man, that's a tough question. I don't believe that this team is going to win the championship now. I didn't believe it was going to win before, but I actually think we had a better chance of winning it all with without him. But I, it, we're contrary to that, though. I think we have a better chance of going further with him and losing. I don't know. I don't know what I like. I think our floor is higher. Do you know what I mean? Your ceiling, you mean, or the floor? No, our floor, a little like we. Can, I think we have a chance, better chance of making like the second round. But I'm saying to win it all, I think this is just a weird mix. I really like what we were doing. I just don't think this yeah. is what we needed. If we needed to tweak something, I wanted to give it like ten games. But I love the way our defense was looking. We're swarming around. I know we were playing a weak, weak teams, but we destroyed them. We rested our starters in the fourth. Do you know how many times we got to do that last season? Like very, very few. And Westbrook, Bones, like. This was just a different feel, a different style of play. They're trying to push the pace, and they look serious. Paul George and Kawhi are actually, you know, guarding and and every single second they're in. I'm just so – I was just very happy with it, and I wanted to see how it went. So I don't believe – I just don't – I just there's one thing I don't understand with some Clipper fans, mainly on social media. They were all saying if Kawhi and Paul were healthy, you know, we have such a good chance to win a ring and all this, and that's all it takes. And then all of a sudden we're not good enough. They must have thought. I'm just saying, they think that we were going to win in 2021 and Kawhi not gotten hurt. But I think our team now is better than it was then. I think so personally. Maybe they disagree. Sure. I don't know. What yeah. Do you think? So, so for me, I think that both. I think both extremes are now higher. I think your ceiling, your floor is is lower, and I think your ceiling's higher because the floor to me is implosion. It's it's Harden and Russ don't get along. You know, PG and Kawhi aren't playing defense anymore. You know, I, I think that I can see the disaster just like the Lakers had with Russ, but I can also see the opposite side where the thing I think they saw was that they just weren't elite enough. The Clippers, um, even though they had a good, you know, first like week, and we'll talk about this week's slew of games in a moment, uh, they had they did have a good week. They had a good week. You know, there's only they could have only won one more game. They, they almost got the perfect week that we were talking about. So I think they, they've played pretty well. Um, but I think they saw that long term, they don't think they had enough. And I think now they have a chance of having enough. I'm not saying they have enough. I still would pick, I, I kind of still have them in the same spot. But if if you knew the future, right? If, if we can just go eight months from like, hey, actually, the Clippers come out the West. I, I can see it. I, I would be surprised, but like, okay. So I'm guessing that means, you know, how that happened. What's well, going to happen to the Denver Nuggets? <laughs> yeah, but Russell's his best self. You know, Harden had like a 37-point game. Kawhi was a two-way defender, you know, and maybe they ended, you know, they were they were the third best team in the West, and they beat like a, an aging Lakers team that was a two-seed, and then, I don't know, maybe the one-seed gets upset by the, the Warriors, and then the Clippers had home court. You know, I could see a scenario where before it was really hard for me to see a scenario without like, Every team having major injuries. Now, again, like I said, the, I think the floor is lower too. This could, this could, as you, as any team that's had Harden will tell you, this can end bad. But as most teams, even the, the Nets, I think would reluctantly admit, when Harden gets going, there's a reason why he's wanted. There's a reason why they traded for him. When, and I think that's something other people were frustrated about. Why trade so much for him? No one else wants this guy. He's on why the team. He's not even playing. Why does nobody else want this guy? Why, right. why, is, why is the guy so valuable available? I'm asking. Yeah, it, 
Yeah, well, the reason the reason why no one else wants this guy is because, like, like you said, um, his play doesn't work, the defense isn't there, and even the offense isn't consistent enough, especially in the playoffs, which is what you know Draymond Green talks about it, right? Sixteen game players, and I personally think Harden's uh, lack of you know good performances in the playoffs was a little bit oversold, but people do feel like yeah, he doesn't show up. And that's when it matters. And if that's what we're paying all that money for, and, and it's, we're going to get like those dud games, like in a game two, game three, it's not worth it. I personally think that Harden was fine in the playoffs. And like you said, he's not no longer, he's no longer that number one option. He's he's number three here. He might be number four here on su- certain nights. So I, I think he's in a role that makes the most sense for him at this point in his career. Is it worth everything they gave away? Like you said, we're talking about Mark Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington. KJ Martin and multiple draft picks and a pick swap. That's a lot. That's a lot. But they, they're going for it. Like I said, they're they're really going for it. And they, they went for broke. And we're gonna we're gonna have to watch how it looks moving forward. So um I'm gonna give you the last words here, dime on Harden, and then I'm sure we'll talk about Harden more. And we're gonna talk about Harden each and every week on this podcast. So <laughs> but for, for right now, uh give give me your last Harden takes and then we'll jump into what actually happened on the court uh this past week. Harden, I think he's gonna have some good moments for us in the regular season. I think he's gonna honestly make the team look better. There's gonna be more eyeballs on them now. That under the radar stuff is out the window. I'm just worried about how it's going to be for Russ. He takes the ball out of his hands. And just if Paul George, because he's probably not going to be initiating as much, is his aggression going to go down? Are we going to get less shots from him in Kawhi? Uh, it's, and, and Bones Highland's development I, is going to be kind of uh, – what's the word? Halted a bit? I don't know. Regressed, maybe. Yeah, it's just – I really like the way he started the season, the pace that he brings us off the bounce. I just like the way we were playing, pushing it a bit. But yeah, well, I guess we'll get into that. But um, not excited, not excited, not excited. Okay, I think yeah, I think I've we've seen a mix of. I think you're you're definitely one of the more down ones because again, you you have your basketball philosophies, and I understand that, right? Like that that's the whole thing is the our philosophies have developed through years slash decades of like knowing the game and and our opinions on that. Are, are where they are but i mean i think that's good we'll, we'll see how things go that that's why we talk about the games they play them and then we contextualize it once we get it so the nba season is officially underway we got the drama like card and trays we got you know Wemby going off and we got lakers denver was the first game of the nba season and you know i don't like the word rivalry we use it way too liberally i don't even think lakers and clippers is a rivalry i think it's, i think to be a rivalry it's got to be have a long-standing tradition of both teams being good, competing for high-level things, and both teams winning and losing, right? In my opinion, that's what a rivalry is, except for rare exceptions like Bears-Packers. The Packers always win, but I still consider that rivalry because it's just so many years, right? Anyway, Lakers-Denver, it's not a rivalry yet, but I'll say this. The Denver Nuggets clearly don't like the Los Angeles Lakers, and their fans made it known. They made it known. They were allowed about I think I honestly think obviously the championship was the main thing, but I think the fact they beat the Lakers that meant something to that fan base, and it makes sense when you look at the history of the Denver Nuggets. You know, go as far back as you can, you'll see that the Lakers were often the team they faced that knocked them out whenever they had a good team, including those Carmelo Anthony uh, Denver Nuggets squads, and they didn't those those fans didn't forget that, and they reminded Laker Nation 
during the Western Conference run, they reminded them at their championship ceremony, and they reminded them again for an opening night game. Maybe it's because I haven't watched NBA basketball for a while, but Dime, when I watched that game, I'm like, this is intense. You know, AD dunked the ball on the first play. LeBron James dove into a scorer's table on the tip, the tip-off of the first game of the season. Why are you doing that? Why is he doing that? Because he had the energy. He's like, yo, I want to take it to these guys. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, don't do that. Don't don't get injured on the, the opening tip of the NBA season because you don't like Denver Nuggets. And Denver brought the same energy. Jamal Murray was barking at the refs during early calls. Like, you could feel the energy was just bursting. And that was after they won. They just got a ring. They just put up a banner. Most teams are lackadaisical that, that opening night when they, they got all that, all that glory, right? It's hard to kind of get the edge because you're celebrating. That was not true for Denver, and the the night ended with Denver just outclassing the Lakers. Clearly, they are ready. They're playing amazing, and before I kick it to you, Dime, got to give them credit. Again, and again, my beef with Denver's fans, you know, the, the eight of them that are there, is they pretend they don't hate the Lakers, and then what's they do when the game's over? Who's your daddy chance? So again, it's okay. Talk smack. You deserve it. You earned the right. You won the game straight up. But when we mention that you're talking smack, don't be like, oh, what are you talking about? We're not talking about you. I'm like, you are talking about us because you're chanting who's your daddy for like two minutes <laughs> at the end of the game. But it was all it was all, uh, you know, all fair in, in war and war. Uh, what were your thoughts and your takeaways from that opening night game? My takeaways were that my stance hasn't changed. I don't think that with the Lakers new additions that really moves the needle against Denver. I think Denver's just too good of a team right now in the West. To me, my conclusion was that they are a significant gap higher than everybody else in the West. There's a significant gap between them and, and everyone else, to me. There's just a perfect blend, an amazing starting five. They got some great defenders in there, the best player in the NBA. He complements Jamal Murray perfectly because it's a guard and a big. You know, you can run in pick and rolls. And their pick and pop, pick and roll combination is the best in the league. And they have movement in their offense. Like, it's just really hard to guard them. They have a way they play, and it's you got to get with it or get out. And I think Denver just showed me that they're still very good. Sorry, Laker fans. And it's for everybody else, honestly. It's not just Laker fans. I just think Denver's an amazing team. Yeah, I think people forget that it wasn't the entire NBA competed for that title and the Denver Nuggets won. It feels like everyone forgot about that. It's like, oh, just pick on the – I mean, the Lakers didn't make the fight. Like, I mean, they beat Miami. Anyway, we already know why we talked about, you know, the history between those two teams. And, yeah, it's not a rivalry in terms of – do I think it will be longstanding? No. But for this year, every one of those games is going to be like, let's check it out. Let's see what happens. Uh, now, going to the next day, the following day, we had Clippers – Blazers, Clippers started the season off on the right foot. They won the game. And I, I think they won, you know, pretty much in convincing fashion, in my opinion. You got 27 points from Paul George, uh, 23 from uh, Kawhi, uh, 20 from Zoo. Uh, you got a good, I think you got a pretty good Russ game, five for eight from the field. And then you had, a, you know, uh, I think Bones Highland had like 17 points. So, uh, Dime, why don't you tell me a little bit more about that game? Because to me, I think they they came out and they they kind of showed they're, they're a top team and the Trailblazers are kind of a team that, you know, in limbo now that, you know, Dame's gone. Yeah, that, I was at that game. Really fun game to be at. You can check out the vlog on my channel. Great atmosphere in the building. But uh, the Clippers, I love how serious they were. They came out and clamped this young team. Scoot Henderson, 
I mean, Russell Westbrook really gave him a welcome to the NBA game. It wasn't a welcome to the NBA moment. It was a welcome to the NBA game. <laughs> he was constantly blowing by him, drawing two defenders, making plays. And as you said, Paul George and Kawhi were awesome, aggressive. It was it started on the defensive end. And I love to see that. And they took care of business, were able to rest their starters in the fourth. And that was uh, a huge thing for me is last season, there were a lot of games where the Clippers waved the white flag because they were getting destroyed. Now, first game of the season, you're setting the tone by resting the right way, load managing the right way. Take care of business. You can rest the end of the game. So mission accomplished. Clippers are expected to win that game. We both had them winning that game. But the way they mm -hmm. did it was awesome. You got a double-double from Russ. I thought Paul and Kawhi were pretty spectacular. Kawhi, five for five from three in that game. Yeah, no, I uh, agree. I mean, there's no 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 complaints. The, the, the Clippers did what they're supposed to do, which is like beat up on the, the young team that's figuring it out that lost their star because you're healthy, you're ready to go. Like you said, everyone was available. And yeah, they, they outclassed uh, Portland. Pretty simple, nice, smooth, perfect start to the season. Now, the Lakers staring down the barrel at 0-2. What do they do? They respond. Now... I mean, they responded, but it wasn't that good of a game. Uh, the Lakers started off pretty poor. And, uh, you know, they, there was no Bradley Beal. There was um, no Devin Booker. So you thought, oh, maybe the Lakers can cruise to win. No, because of all the players that were healthy, there's a guy named Kevin Durant who was just unbeatable in the first three quarters. He had 30 points in the first three quarters alone. He was just unstoppable. There was nothing they could do. There, there was just nothing. And when, when KD gets going like that, he really is scary. You can't block him. You can't rush him. You can't double him. You just can't do anything because he's just he's open all the time. And when he's making that mid-range jumper, it's curtains for you. And I thought the Lakers were in deep, deep trouble uh, entering that fourth quarter. And then they made some adjustments. Christian Wood had like the best defensive game of his life. He guarded uh, KD on three consecutive possessions. The first one, it was uh, a mid-range jumper, and Kevin Durant ends up hitting the side of the backboard. Uh, the next one, top of the key, Kevin Durant short at the rim. The next one, ball denial, turnover. I mean, I, I Christian Wood just, he, on, on a minimum contract, he, he earned the contract on that game alone, shutting KD down, or at least bothering him enough in the fourth to get the win. So I would say it, especially early on in the season, winning ugly. Give me the wins. They count the same. They, they, there's no context to the wins. We put the context on them, but the record is the record. Get the win and get out of there, and we'll we'll figure out rotations. We'll figure out what's going on with Austin Reeves, who had a, a poor game as well. Um, he, he's been struggling all year. We'll, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, but what did you think seeing uh, this game? You know, we, we chat a lot, you know, in our group chats and text messages here. Uh, but but Phoenix uh, Lakers, when you watched it initially, what were your thoughts? My thoughts were that the Lakers kind of were playing with their food a little bit in the first half, a little lazy at times, lack of focus defensively. Um, and Austin Reeves really struggling shooting the ball the first two games. And that's just tough because I think LeBron in those first two games, especially in both first halves, wasn't really even having that many possessions where he was running high pick and roll with AD. He was really off the ball and just – letting Austin Reeves and D'Lo rock. And D'Lo had a better game against Phoenix than against Denver. But Austin Reeves, he was, from, from my memory, cold. I don't have the stats right in front of me from that game. But from my memory, was he was cold against Phoenix. And KD was spectacular. Those are my takeaways for the first three quarters. But AD, 
Thought he was really solid throughout, good in the fourth quarter, but LeBron really turned it up in the fourth quarter, put Yusuf Nurkic in the pick and roll a ton, he and AD. And LeBron, you know, he is in the fourth quarter when he gets downhill against certain bigs. He saved. It was exactly the strategy we talked about in the episode, kind of conserving. But can he do that against better teams? Because remember, these guys were missing Beal and Booker in this game. Booker, yeah. So you need Austin Reeves and – D-Lo to be better. And Gabe Vincent, first two games struggling immensely. And Darvin Ham really was playing him a lot in that second game when I was like kind of confused because Rui Hachimura wasn't getting many minutes. And Rui is, uh, you know, a good player for the Lakers and gives them that size that I thought they wanted to have out there. Don, let me ask you a, a, a question. I think I know the answer. You're, you're also a coach. Uh, when coaches see two players of equal value and one's uh, more offensive focus and one's more defensive focus, which one do the coaches go for? Depends on the coach. Depends on their lens. Generally, just if you had to guess. I would think defense first. Yeah. And but... that, that's him. He's defense first. And I think with, with him, with, with Darvin Ham, that's why you saw more Gabe. He likes Gabe more defensively than Rui. Now, if you ask me who's better, Rui. I'm not even going to think about it, but I think that's what's happening here because Gabe played 35 minutes off the bench and Rui played 12 in this game. That's a huge, <laughs> that's a huge disparity. But if you look at, again, I'm not, I'm not the biggest plus minus advocate. I think that that stat is very flawed and it can be easily manipulated. Right. But on a game that the Lakers only won by, uh, I believe, let me look it up here. I think it was five points. Yeah. No, they won't be at five points. Gabe was a plus 13. So you start thinking, how was he a plus 13 when he only scored seven points? He was very poor on the on the on his shooting, three for 10, but he played 35 minutes. And the reason why was one, he was on the floor in the fourth when they made that big run. So that's a lot of it. And two, he was his his production was not scoring. It was defensively. He did a really good job defensively. Ham trusted him and he rolled with them versus Rui, who he was shooting fine, but he didn't get that much run. And the one problem I have with Rui, he's a little slow-footed on the wings a little bit every now and then. And he, he's worked on that. He's gotten better. He's much more engaged defensively here than he was in Washington. But he's still a little bit slow. And I think, when, when especially early on, and in, in a game where they're trying to rally, what do they need? They needed AD pick and roll with LeBron. And then we need people who can defend on the other side because we have to stop these runs, right? So I think that's why he went with Gabe Moore and said, look, I know I'm going to get good defense from you. I don't need Rui's offense. I need LeBron and AD's offense. So, Rui, you're sitting this one out, and we're going to roll with it this way. So, that's what I think the my, my opinion on his logic for. And I'm not saying that's the right way to go or the long-term solution, but I think that's what he saw. And uh, Ham is always stressed defense first. And I know a lot of coaches do, and then you're like, okay, whatever. But when you see his words and his actions and they line up, you're like, okay, so you're actually not just saying that. Like, you're showing it because when players aren't, like, playing good defense he pulls them especially the role players right and he he doesn't care about like even on a hot streak that's why it took Reeves so long to earn a starting spot last year it took him to the final quarter of the year why because he's young he's a rookie he doesn't trust him and he was getting bullied a lot as you know with those bigger physical guards and he's like I can't have you out there if you're gonna get beat up by these bigger guards especially in the west you're gonna have to show me that you can you can hold your own enough that I don't feel like you know what get him out of there because he just can't handle it. So I think that's why we saw more Gabe. 
But yes, Gabe was very poor shooting the three ball. Uh, he, he it was tonight was his first, which we'll get to later. It was his first converted three. He was 0 for 11 <laughs> in three point shots. And you didn't bring him in to be a defensive specialist. You brought him in to be a three point shooter. So it's kind of rough that your three point shooter is 0 for 11 in three games. But again, it's early. These are very small sample sizes. I, I think you know. Uh, I think Gabe's going to be just fine. But he did get a lot of run for a guy who, when you look at the stat sheet, you're like, why would did he play 35 minutes when he was so bad from three? Now, I don't know if it's my favorite game, but it was my favorite at the time. We got Clifford's Jazz here. <laughs> it was the first loss. It ended the Coach Carter 3-0 and um, dreams and hopes. Um, I'm going to actually let you kind of lead the way here. Uh, and then I'll, I'll chime in at the end because that's what really got uh, NBA Twitter kind of in in a frenzy uh, with those final plays. So tell me about uh, about the the two point win by Utah against the Clippers. What happened there in that game? I think the Clippers' defensive intensity to begin the game was not at the same level it was against Portland. And Utah runs a pretty creative offense. I'm not going to lie, as much as I hate to say it. And using Larry Markinen coming off of screens like he's a shooting guard, it's really interesting because. The way he's improved the last couple of years is really amazing to me. He can catch and shoot well, and then if he can work quickly off of the catch and go downhill, some of the help defenders you can bring are way – like let's say Norman Powell's the help defender with Larry Markin coming downhill. He's coming into shooting over a chair. So running him off the ball and his improved three-pointer, I mean he's always shown that he could shoot since he came into the league, but he's gotten even better. You run him off the line, he can beat you at the rim, and he can also knock down the outside shot. And they were using him in very creative ways. So I thought that was very tough to guard. But a lot of it was just Utah making some really tough shots. The tough part was about the loss was that the Clippers were shooting so well. Paul George was amazing. Getting to the rack, 15 free throw attempts, made them all. But Utah just withstood every little push. And then Jordan Clarkson made an amazing three-pointer at the end of the game and Kawhi took too long on that last possession in my opinion to make a move and it was a really tough shot so then Westbrook airball everybody went crazy about it. that wasn't it I don't think that was that big deal but tough loss I will say though kind of felt like more of an outlier and the rebounding was a huge issue in that game as well got killed on the glass and a lot of it was just attention to detail hustle I hate to say it, but Utah, you know how Utah is. It's a tough place to play. Yeah. So it was a rough loss, but I don't think it was the end of the world. I think that same that same team last year the Clippers had playing in a game like that, they would have let the Jazz run away with it. I like the way we fought and we're right there, and it took a ridiculous shot and some amazing shot making from Utah to get it done. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, besides the, the jokes, but yes, like as you know, um, NBA Twitter, especially the, the Lakers aspect of it, loves to dunk on Russ when they get a chance. Obviously, there's a long history there of, of why there's frustration. And and uh, from a comedic standpoint, like seeing Kawhi collapse to the floor before the shots even like confirm uh, added to that, that hilarity. But you're right. He, Russ was just trying to make a play. There's no time left. There, there's no even quiet asking for the ball. It's like by the time you get the ball, the clock's gonna run out. We gotta try something. So yeah, it was an air ball and it it looks like a bad shot, but it's not like Russ was pounding the ball for like five seconds and and he came up with a, a horrible air ball shot. You know, he got the ball with like three seconds left. He just 
tried to get to a spot and, and he just heaved it. So, you know, it, it, it looks funny online or, or, or the clip by itself. But when you really watch the whole the whole thing, like you said, uh, Kawhi took too long. It went. It, he swung it the other way. Time's running out. He just took a shot that and he, it was a bad shot. But I mean, you can't really fault him that much. It was clearly a breakdown of a play and kind of, uh, you know, maybe uh, too long to kind of execute on. Uh, but that was the first loss uh the Clippers season. And like you said, overall, you got you to gotta feel pretty good about that because it did, did feel like an outlier. And it was still a close game. So it wasn't like, you know, they, they got blown out in Utah. It was just, you know, uh, could have won, uh, but kind of get didn't get it done. Now the Lakers. <laughs> We're going to go back to uh, the Lakers playing on Sunday, which was, you know, just the other day. This game was, for me, the frustrating one because we got – one bad game against Denver, but they're the champs. Then you had a bad game against Phoenix, but you won. Kind of were able to kind of, you know, overwhelm them in the fourth five. And then against Sacramento, again, another good team. The Lakers don't get any breaks early in the season. They always play a bunch of marquee matchups. Uh, even this week, we're going to have a few of those coming up. But Sacramento, a good team, but again, just, again, a horrible start. 41 to 28. You can't let a team score 41 in an opening quarter. Like, where is the urgency and the focus to start the game? I put that more on the coaching staff than the players because you need to get them ready. And if they're let, letting someone score 41, you didn't have them ready. So, something didn't happen there. Some chain of communication, the the redirecting, the timeouts, I don't know. But you, you can't let them score 41 like that. That's just a tough hole to dig yourself out of. And the Lakers struggled all game digging themselves out of it. Now, eventually they did, and they even forced overtime. But again, Having to come back from so much, it just takes a little bit to get pushed the other way over the edge. And I think that's why they weren't able to close it out in the fourth. And we, we already mentioned a, a tough Reeves game before. Oh, this one takes the cake. One for 12 from the field, five points. He was pulled. He wasn't there at the end of the game. And to me, that's the concerning part. That's the concerning part for Austin, at least in the early parts of the season. I'm not concerned about him career-wise because I've seen him play for so long. But for right now, I'm like, that's... I find it interesting that the the main coach of the team, the head coach of the team, when the game's on the line, said, you know what? I'm not going to even give you a chance to work work yourself through it. I'm pulling you out of the game. That's supposed to be your starter, maybe your third best player, and definitely a bona fide starter this year who, you know, represented Team USA, all that stuff. And if you're saying on game three, I can't risk it, man. Like, you're out of there. That's That's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. And um, the Lakers were unable to to win the game anyway. And to Ham's credit, he did acknowledge that, you know, one thing that we talked about in the pod before that you mentioned, Diane, was that coaches can have bad, bad seasons too. And it really stuck with me because I never really thought about it like that. Like, yeah, coaches can have bad seasons, right? And I think Ham's acknowledging he's had made some rough mistakes already, right, with uh, his rotations. And it just didn't make sense. We, I was just singing Christian Wood's praises in the game before. And what does he do? He only plays 14 minutes in this game. Why? There's no rhyme or reason. He played great with AD. They were paired together. It worked. It was awesome. He was shutting down KD. How is the next game a massive reduction in minutes? It doesn't make any sense. And Ham didn't mention him specifically. But when you look at the timeline and you see what happened uh, in the the game we're going to talk about coming up and the game before, it's very clear that he realized, yeah, I probably should have gave Wood more run. And that probably would have helped. And again, plus minus, not the not the best indicator. But Wood had the best plus minus. In his 14 minutes, he was a plus 12 on the court. He had 11 points, 5 rebounds in 14 minutes. 
why didn't he get 25, 30 minutes in a game where they needed him? And again, <laughs> Gabe Vincent, 32 minutes, 0 for 2 from 3, 2 points. It just, the math isn't mathing there with the Lakers. What did you see in that uh, that Sunday matinee there against the Sacramento Kings? Sadly, that I was at the Clipper game, so I didn't get to watch it. Oh, and cool. I'm unfortunate. But I will say my only line of thinking to play devil's advocate for him is Sacramento plays pretty small with Keegan Murray at the four, and they play a really fast pace that he not, maybe didn't want to have two bigs out there as much. That's my line of thinking. Okay, yeah, no, that that I I can see that. Like I said, I still think it would it would have been better, but again, we're we're nitpicking it. It's early in the season. Um, and like you said, players are figuring it out, coaches are figuring it out. And he did acknowledge he didn't mention it by name, but he said, I'm gonna tighten up my rotations, we're gonna we're gonna work some things out, and I we'll talk about that later. But the Clippers definitely had the one of the marquee matchups that Sunday because Clippers Spurs last year, no one would have cared about this game. This year Everyone was like, I got to check it out because I got to see Wemby. We know Wemby's coming. Wemby's here. The Wembenyama hype is at a high I haven't seen since Zion. It's the, the last player of this hype. And I think he's even more hyped than that. So, you know, you can compare him to whoever you want to. But no matter what, you're he's, he's a player and this Spurs team is a team you're going to want to check out on League Pass throughout the year and see how they are. Before we get into the game, ultimately the, the Clippers won, which makes sense because no matter how hyped you know, you are about Wembenyama. He's very young. He's not used to this league. He's a rookie. He's a baby, right? So he's not going to beat a Clippers team that's fully engaged and focused. And that's not what happened, right? They, they blew him out. But what did you think about, before we talk about the Clippers and how they did, what do you think about Wembenyama now that you saw him in person, which, which you know, I, I also saw him in summer league, but that was a very different uh, Wemby to the Wemby you saw uh, on Sunday. What did you see from him? He's very tall. The way he he's extremely the Dylan tall. Brooks answer he's tall. <laughs> yeah, the way he covers ground is amazing. I mean, he can take one step and close out from the free throw line to the three point line and get still get super high up in the air and block your shot. It's unbelievable. Um, he can reach from the foul line and almost like he can get to the three point line, like dig and uh, take the ball from somebody. It's unbelievable. Or vice versa, standing at the behind the three point line and then reaching to someone at the foul line. It's, just, it's to get steals. It's ridiculous. But besides that, he didn't have a very good game. So Clippers locked him up. You, you know that the scouting report is going to be put bigger physical wings on him that can stay with him laterally and make him try to take advantage of his size. Right now, the only way he's going to do that is shooting over you. He's not going to bang in the post yeah. with those guys, even though it seems like he has skills in the post but can he do it against the nba strength the athletes that remains to be seen i think obviously he's young he can develop that but right now robert covington no longer on the team Nikhil Batum, <laughs> no longer on the team this is an amazing job on him oh god <laughs> yeah uh, you're right about Wemby. He, he's very young he's gonna it's gonna take him like three or four years to really get it uh, because he's got to put on muscle, he's got to put on the weight, he's got to deal with the physicality, and let alone the pressure. Right now, there's not much pressure. It's like, hey, do your thing. It, it's amazing what you're doing, right? That's going to get old in a year or two, and then he's going to have to deal with, I got to come out of the West, you know, and there's going to be teams like the Clippers and like the Lakers and like the Kings are going to be good. I'm guessing the Denver will still be good in two or three years, unless, you know, Joker requests a trade or something. So, I mean, can you imagine Joker on this guy? He's going to just eat him up, you know? Like, so, and like you said, the physicality is an issue for him. And he's still kind of like 
he's a very timid person, and he's also coming out as a timid player. And that's not what you want from your star. That that's not going to work uh, long term. Like you know, I mean, Jimmy Butler would just—he'd probably, you know, he'd probably cut him in half, you know, if he really wanted to. You know, like that's the kind of stuff he's going to have to learn. Uh, which, of course, I, I have supreme confidence Wemby's going to get that together. That that's just stuff that comes with time. But for right now, you know, the Clippers uh, walked them out the gym. They 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 blew them out, and and it was it was easy pickings for them, which makes sense now. Getting to the final game, which was tonight's uh, Lakers-Orlando game here in Los Angeles. Lakers took care of business. <clears throat> what was the game like? I was there in person. I was actually covering it for Silver Screen and Roll, and I, I was there um, covering the game. Uh, for me, it was a game where I feel like in some ways they played down to their opponent. I think Orlando's underrated. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they play the right way. They have a strategy. They have a plan. They play fast. They play quick. I think overall they play smart and they have some really talented players. They have like an, they have a pretty even roster. They don't have a deep roster in terms of like top to top end talent, but I feel like they're pretty even. Like they can go like 12 deep and feel like we're pretty good with like one through 12 on what we have and what they can offer the team. So I feel like they have some really good uh, weapons there, but ultimately the Lakers were able to uh, pull off the win because, you know, Dilo just, he's just been great. He's been, Dilo so far has been, a player that's walked the walk and talked the talk. He he said he wanted to redeem himself for a poor uh, performance against Denver. He said he was going to be more engaged defensively. He said he was going to take the preseason seriously. And he's done all of that and more. And as the regular season has started, it wasn't just, you know, talk. He's he's backed it up with his play. Overall, he's been pretty good. He, he had a bad game against Denver, but but over, but who didn't, right? Um, but he he's he's played well. And tonight, amazing. 10 for 14 from the field, 28 points. He had a dunk. That dunk was, as, as you know, Dan, there's a lot of rules with, like, covering sports. You're not supposed to really react. I saw a couple people in the press. I won't name the names, but they were like, what? Like, what was that? Because he got up there, and you're, you, when I watched it, it was just like, is he actually, like, he kept going. And it was like, is he about to dunk the ball? Like, that was ridiculous. He dunked the ball. He hit a bunch of clutch threes uh, in the fourth quarter to help the team win. I mean, he was just like, if that wasn't a good D-Lo game, there is no such thing as a good D-Lo game because – he he did everything. He was he was sensational. And and LeBron again. LeBron was LeBron. He scored the team's first eight points in the fourth quarter when it was a one point game. That's who LeBron is. Like again, he it, it's been twenty one years now. At this point, you should probably know. And you know he he may not be dunking the ball as much, but you you can't stop him from getting within two feet of the rim. Like I have not seen anyone consistently shut him down from doing that. He's gonna get there. He might not convert, but he's going to get there, and there's nothing you can do about it. And especially with the AD pick and roll, like you mentioned uh, in the Phoenix game, they they spammed the AD LeBron pick and roll here a bunch. He even hit a couple threes that were huge. What'd you see here from this game that just happened uh, tonight uh, with the uh, Lakers in Orlando? I think Orlando actually. You said they're not going to win a lot of games. They might win games. I, I actually. Well, think... I think they'll be a playing team. Now I don't okay, know how okay. many wins Fair they'll enough. be, but I, but, but yeah. yeah. Okay, then I agree with you, but. Their athleticism at every position in that starting lineup is pretty impressive. They're not a very good shooting team, but mm-hmm. Franz Wagner, Paolo Bencaro, great young players. Wendell Carter's athletic. And then the player I was very impressed by was Jalen Suggs. I mean, I got to watch him a little bit at Gonzaga, but I'd never seen him play that well in an NBA game to this point. And defensively, I thought he was amazing, tenacious, really getting into guys. And really strong as well, working hard. And I think the Magic for the first 
two or three quarters were first to loose balls, just more attentive. And it was very – it felt a lot like the Phoenix game in ways with the way the Lakers were in the first half. And then they kind of just turned up in the second half, or mainly the, mainly the fourth quarter, just kept it yep. within striking distance. But Anthony Davis, I think, was the standout, man. I mean, he the way he affects the game on both ends, I thought he was catching the ball much deeper today, like on the block, right? Because mm-hmm. we know AD's jumper, like it's it's declined. It really yeah. – it has. But if he catches the ball on the block way more, I think he's going to score a lot more. I know that sounds – crazy to say a lot more, but I really do think he can because you do that work off the ball, catch the ball over there. AD is a minute. You know, he's very hard to guard down there. Menace, but six feet and in. So that plus the rim protection, what he's doing, he basically bails guards out when they die on screens or don't do a good enough job at the point of attack. And I think Lakers had some possessions in this one where they weren't great at it, but AD, he cleans everything up. And that last possession defensively where Jalen Suggs went, tried to drive at him. Stayed up vertically. Didn't foul. Without fouling. I mean, best defender in the NBA for me. So Thank just you. a great performance by AD. And then LeBron, he you can clearly tell he didn't have the legs in this one like that, shooting a lot of threes. But in the fourth quarter, it was his best quarter. And that's important. Yeah. And I think I, I say the same thing. Anthony Davis is the best defender in the league. I don't think it's clearly close. And I think the one thing people – who don't watch the Lakers consistently fail to realize, or, or whatever, they have an AD agenda. I'm like, on the defense side of the ball, there's a couple things. When we talk about rim protection, he doesn't just protect the rim because he gets rebounds. He doesn't just protect the rim because he gets blocks. He protects the rim because he discourages players from even taking shots. And that's the thing that there, there were so many times today and I, I, I could, and you know, that might be an, a good idea for an article for me to do. There's been so many times where a player has the lane open and they see AD and opt to kick it back out or opt to not shoot it, or they miss the shot because they were worried about getting blocked. You know, you saw that so many times uh, again, against the, against the Warriors, you saw something, there was one play where Curry pump fake and AD wasn't there yet, but he was coming. And it's like, Oh, you, 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 you hear the footsteps. Like you're worried about him. And he wasn't even there. He was like near the free throw line. And Curry did one of these because he's like, I thought he was coming off the screen, you know. And that's the kind of impact AD has. It's not just the fact that, you know, he's a pterodactyl down there and he can block the ball. He'll make you just not want to even shoot the ball because you're worried about his reach and he's close enough. And that happened a lot uh, tonight, especially in that fourth quarter. There was a lot of, of that going on. Where's AD? Where's he going? Is he is he going to be able to block this? You know, where can I go? Where can I get? I need some space. And, and Orlando struggled with that, especially in that fourth quarter. And that's why the Lakers were able to kind of suffocate them and still get the win, even though, you know, if you watch the whole game, you might be like, oh, Orlando played a little bit better. And they probably did. But again, the fourth quarter, it's still it's still Braun. It's still AD. And then D'Lo just kept – every time uh, the Magic hit a three, D'Lo hit a three. And I was like, okay, so I guess we're going to take this one. And sure enough, like you said, a great defensive stop. The, the play before as well. AD had a defensive stop and Christian Wood had the rebound in the possession right before. That was that defensive possession. So again, that's that's what we're talking about. We talk about rim protection and why we think you know AD is is the best defender in the league and why he's probably an underrated defender because he's never won defensive player of the year. So it's kind of weird that that's happened. Um, but but that's where things are. All right. So let's go into just the final part, which is a little bit weird now because of the Harden thing, but you know, we talk about not overreacting after these first week of games. Obviously, the Clippers, you're probably going to have to think 
you know, long and hard about where things are. But I think two and one, I mean, I think you'll take that going into into week two, no? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a big game against Orlando on yeah. Tuesday. But I don't even know what to think anymore. Now we don't have Robert Covington and Nicholas Batum against the team with some big forwards in Franz Wagner and Paolo Bincaro. So still no Terrence Mann. It's going to be tough. No KJ Martin. I don't even know what to expect. So, yeah, I, what the, I, I don't know how to feel. Yeah, the Lakers had the same situation in last uh, season when they made all those big trades. Like, okay, but those players won't clear from the medical thing for like another forty-eight hours. And guess what? We have a game. So we had one of those games where like Max Christie played a lot, and our G leaguers had to kind of like, hey, we're gonna lose this one too because like half our roster left, and the new half. It's not they're literally packing their bags as we speak. So that that might happen with the Clippers here against the Magic, but also the Magic are coming off the back to back. So that kind of helps balance that out. They're young, but I mean back to back still a back to back, and it was after a loss. So you know it, it that that might factor in there and and be in the Clippers' favor. And the main stars for the Clippers are still intact. These are these are key role players, but you still got Kawhi, you still got PG, you still got Russ, and you and you're resting while the other team isn't. I don't know. We'll see what happens there with that. But uh, for me, when it comes to the Lakers, they're kind of where I thought they'd be. They're two and two. I didn't. I thought they would play better in the losses than they did. But ultimately, they're right where I thought they were. So um, I try not to overreact, especially to the first couple of weeks, which is always so hard to do. Like the Gabe Vincent shooting. Like the again tonight was another day, another night where Austin Reeves was benched with I think four minutes left. They took him out of the game. They didn't bring him back, and they won. Now, now, he can't be feeling too great. That's all I'm saying. He can't be feeling too great. Like, oh, what's going on here? I don't. Do I think he's going to get benched from the starting lineup? No. But again, it's just, it's just not good. That keeps happening. And he was getting cooked. Marco Fultz was clearly targeting him, and he was getting everything he wanted in the third quarter, which I think why they pulled him. Because like, hey, they figured it out. Like, you can't guard that guy, and they spammed it like three of five plays in a row, and he scored like on two of them, and he just missed the third one. So I was like, this is bad. And Ham saw it too, and that's why he pulled them, and and they won the game. So uh, those are things for the Lakers to kind of you know keep an eye on it as as the uh, season continues. So let's talk about the upcoming games. You already mentioned it. We got Clippers Magic on Tuesday, and then we have Lakers Clippers on Wednesday. So we'll both know everything that's going on in that game because that game's happening at seven thirty on ESPN. That's going to be a big one. It's technically a Lakers home game. Obviously, it's the same stadium. Uh, what really differentiates that besides, you know, the um, the court looking different is it'll be the Lakers season ticket holders there instead of like the Clippers season ticket holders and things of that nature. So that's kind of how that's going to work. Then we have uh, Saturday Lakers Orlando. And then Monday, it's going to be one of those games where both teams play at the same time. The Lakers will be at Miami uh, and that will be on NBA TV. And the Clippers will be playing the New York Knicks in New York, Madison Square Garden. So for these um, slew of games this week, it's, I know it's hard with all the stuff happening with the Clippers, but what do you think the week's going to look like? What kind of record are they going to have after this? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I think we're going to lose to the Magic and the Lakers, honestly. Okay. And when would James Harden's debut be with P.J. Tucker? Like, when are those two going to play? I think Monday is pretty realistic. That's that, that's six days away. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing York. he gets cleared. Yeah, against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. 
Little, little Harden action. Iso Harden. Oh my god. In the garden. <laughs> Harden in the garden. Oh man. I think uh give it to the Knicks. Wow. Oh it so you went <laughs> last Julius week Randall's gonna destroy our front line. I'm, last week you had them not winning. This week you have them last week you had them winning. This week you have them losing. Wow. Oh the hard I'm gonna say they get one of them. They get one of them. They got to. I mean, yeah, imagine if they, no, they, they, one of them. they, they still win. beat the Lakers. At this point, I would have to figure that it's it's in the script. You know, they have to be. <laughs> they will. You know what? Let's say I'm, I'm going to go with the Clippers beat the Magic because. They're on a back-to-back. They're on a back-to-back, and the Lakers took them to the last second. But no forwards against Paolo Bencaro and besides Kawhi and Paul. It's a guards it's league. A... Come on. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Thugs we'll and Colts are going to be good to throw at Westbrook, to be honest. Yeah. I'm going to have the Lakers. I have the Lakers finally finally ending this ridiculousness and beating the Clippers. It's about time. It's been a, it's been 11 games. Tyloo's never lost uh, to, to the Lakers, except when he applied for a job. But <laughs> other than then, um, he's never lost to the Lakers yeah, as a Clippers uh, head coach. I think that finally ends um, – then the Lakers play Miami and or, and they play Orlando again. I think they go two and one. They'll, they'll I think they'll probably beat uh, Miami. Maybe they lose to Orlando. You know, on the road. I think at a certain point, one of these players is going to rest. You know, LeBron's been playing a lot. I think they're going to find a, a reason to kind of sit him down for one of those games. I don't think I don't think they're going. Anyone's going to sit in the Lakers Clippers game. Uh, I think that one will be just play straight up, and then after that, you know, maybe he gets a rest on that Friday or that that Saturday or that Monday, especially because that Saturday off. You want to play till Monday. That gives them, you know, uh, like what, four or five days off in between games. It's probably good for them at this point. So that's kind of where I, I see things ending for the Lakers there. So, yeah, again, the NBA is never boring. And just like that, the Clippers season is completely changed. And I just can't wait to talk to you about it next week and see where things go. So I think we're going to wrap it up there. Harden is now an L.A. Clipper. NBA's completely changed there. The West has completely changed there. We'll see what that does. The Lakers have been struggling, but they're two and two. Uh, the Clippers are now going to embark on this new journey, the Harden era. He's he's coming home, Dime. He's coming home. So <laughs> with that, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there. So we're gonna let uh we're gonna let Dime kind of uh you know take a walk outside and get some fresh air there. Uh touch grass as the kids say, and we'll be back next week. Win or lose, we'll be talking about what's happening with the Clippers, what's happening with the Lakers, and we'll be wrapping up those games and seeing what the big storylines are there. So once again, I'm Edwin. This is Dime Dropper, and we're out.